a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of Force Ghost Coast Coast, a Multiversity Network podcast. My name is Alice W. Castle and I will be your host for this episode and pretty much every other episode. On this episode we will be talking about Star Wars Celebration Orlando, a breakdown of the big announcements and our takeaways from what they might mean for the next year of Star Wars looking forward. Now, I know what you may be thinking, didn't you already do that with the minisode? Kind of. That minisode was supposed to just cover the Last Jedi teaser and our reaction to it, but we kind of got sidetracked and talked for an hour about a two-minute teaser. This episode is going to be talking about the rest of the big announcements at Celebration beyond the waffling about a two-minute teaser. Joining me to talk about those announcements is Ken Godberson III. How are you doing, Ken? Heyo! So you were on to talk about Aftermath and... We're going to be talking about the rest of the big celebration news, which I guess we should start with the the other big news other than the Last Jedi teaser trailer was that Rebels is ending next season with the fourth season, which was pretty big news. Yeah. Um, I, I guess a little bit of disclosure. I don't watch the show as it's coming out. I usually wait for it to come out on Blu-ray and then I just kind of binge it all together. Mm-hmm. But so, but I've seen like I've seen clips of the third season. I I know some of the events that happen. I'm I'm kind of okay with it ending with the fourth season at this fourth season. Yeah. So during the first episode, we had the rebels chat with um Zach and Robbie, and one of the things we were talking about is where does this show go after we hit the Battle of Scarif? After like it kind of closes the gap with Rogue One and A New Hope. And we were all kind of like, does it take a time skip? Are we going to see the events of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi? What's going to happen? And it seems that they just kind of went, nah, screw yeah, it. Once it, ca- once it gets up to the Battle of Scarif, we're just, we're just done with the show, which I can respect, honestly. I, th- I think Dave Filoni mentioned this, but when you have a show that you plan to go for eight seasons on and it gets axed at the end of the fifth season when you're part way through the sixth season you kind of want to be a bit conservative with how your next show yeah lasts which is interesting but what this leads me to think about is obviously we're going to get a new star wars kind of animated show after rebels at least i would hope so yeah where is that gonna go i i don't know like i know this isn't making good podcasts i i can't think of where they're what they would do because part of me thinks that we might see something after Return of the Jedi, which is, we'll get to it later, that's where Battlefront 2 is taking place, we just saw Aftermath, there's like 30 years of unexplored space there, but what kind of story they tell in that space, I have no idea. Yeah, it, it's it's too, I, it's, I feel like it's too early to tell. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's no doubt we're going to be getting another some form of animated uh animated series it's just yeah i don't the one thing okay this is pure wild mass guessing and this is like the closest i'm getting to just the dream project is an old republic show this is <laughs> not happening and no i love to I see that too you, but can guarantee you this is not gonna happen but i think so... it'd be really cool I'm trying to remember. Right. Somebody else mentioned that on on Twitter. 
It wasn't was it Walt because I bet it was Walt. Was it? It may have been Walt. I, I think I, I think Walt is the only person I've ever known to think that Knights of the Real Republic is probably the best Star Wars. Oh yeah, and it would make a good show. I think it'd be interesting because it's the one thing yeah. that we haven't seen in the new canon is an exploration of what happens before the Phantom Menace. Yeah. So with you know because we've had Rebels and Clone Wars talk about. The Mandalorian War with the Jedi, which was what a thousand, a couple thousand yeah. years before Phantom Menace. <clears throat> yeah, like three thousand years or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Where it took place, where kind of the Knights of the Old Republic games took place, and I think it could be interesting. I don't and, know if they're going to do yeah, it. Yeah, even at the end of season two of Rebels, didn't they go to Korriban? Uh, or aren't they calling no, they, it something they, else for some reason? No. So where they went to is Malakor. Which oh, was taken from okay. a planet, yeah. Um, Malachor Five and Knights it of the looks Republic. A, yeah, it looks a lot better than uh, it did in Knights of the Old Republic too. Yeah, what you're thinking of is season six of Clone Wars. Yoda went to the Sith homeworld, which is called Korriban in the EU, and is called Moriband in canon. Which is weird that they huh. changed it, but apparently. Apparently they changed it just because George Lucas thought it sounded cooler to call it Moraband than Corbin. Because he gets to make that decision, to be honest. Yeah, I guess. There's also the idea that, you know, we're we're seeing Thrawn in this the last season of Rebels, and we're gonna see him in the fourth season. Yeah. Could we see an Empire show? Because I have to imagine that they don't kill off Thrawn at the end of season four of Rebels. I, I don't know why you bring that. I'm up and down on it because I feel like Thrawn will eventually is will eventually have to die, but I don't want him to lose to these guys. Right? That's because I, I mean, mean he's I not going to a, further, a bit of a rant, a bit of a rant about about Rebels' cast, but oh yeah, yeah. I just feel like that would suck. Yeah, I wonder if we might see like Rebels end. But the cast move forward into a new show with a different name. That's possible. Oh, I should also uh, say I'm about I'm about midwayish through um Thrawn, the novel. Oh yeah. I, I haven't good. touched it because Yeah, I'm it's pretty good so far. Um yeah? yeah. Apparently somebody told me they who finished it, there is a really big twist in it involving him. Oh. I haven't reached it yet. That's interesting. Uh I need to get my hands on it because I want to do yeah. an episode about it. But I'm poor and books are expensive. Yeah. Actually, that is a good spe- segue because speaking of books, there was some <laughs> announced at Celebration. That's yeah. how transitions work. Um, the big one that I think was announced was part of the Journey to the Last Jedi. I keep wanting to say Journey to the Force Awakens, but it's yeah. Journey to the Last Jedi. And it's the Phasma novel by um, Delilah S. Dawson, who wrote the Perfect Weapon e-short about the I can't remember her name. She's the one minor character in The Force Awakens that alerts the First Order in Mazzy's castle. That the oh, all right, right. I think there. I know who you're talking about. She has the black lips and the weird, uh, like head balaclava thing. Um, oh, and she okay. got Delilah S. Dawson uh, wrote the short about her and is now writing a novel which is about Phasma's origin story. And we kind of touched this on this on the mini sword because i kind of sold brian on the concept apparently but what's your take on it because you've read aftermath so you kind of are 
where I'm at. And so what one of the parts of Phasma's origin story is that her armor is made of the chromium from Palpatine's jaw, which was at the end of Aftermath. Yeah. So um, how are you on this? Um, I'm fine with it. Like, I'm, I'm glad that she's getting more notice because you guys kind of touched on it, and it's really true. And even I think the um the crew even said it in interviews that fa- they think Phasma is kind of be would be the Boba Fett of the uh, mm-hmm. sequel trilogy, and it's kind of when you now I know that Phasma That's has fans. Yeah, it's kind of a backhanded comment because all right, look, I know Phasma has has fans, but when you objectively look at what she does in that movie, she does almost as much as Boba Fett. Yeah, like, there's really not much of a like character to her in the movie. She's mean mm-hmm. to Poe, and she literally gets thrown in a dumpster. Yeah, that's really, and she has cool armor. That's she about has really it. cool armor, and yeah, has the it, but it's of yeah, being just like Boba Fett, and Boba Fett's beloved. I mean, for some reason, but <laughs> that's but that's a that's an argument for another day. But yeah, I like Boba Fett fine, but I think he's overrated. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to um to reading it. Between that and a, another, I think um, another book that's going to be on the list we're going to talk about. I'm I'm a little more interested in, in another book, but yeah, yeah I'm I'm definitely going to read it. How do you feel about the so the other Phasma thing that was announced was the Marvel comic? Um, so we're getting well, Phasma the novel and Captain Phasma the comic because apparently she upgrades to Captain and the space between there, um, which is literally about how she escapes the garbage compactor, which <sighs> might. I, knowing the marvel comics that might take all four issues well first off i like i like to say i i have stopped covering marvel comics for multiversity wow. for a multitude of reasons um a lot are I obvious think, I think star wars comics are the only things that i still read from marvel for obvious reasons but um i mm, i feel like this is gonna be like i'm a, i'm kind of very neutral on it kelly thompson's the writer Mm-hmm. I'm I'm up and down with her. I, I think I like... the only thing I've actually read from her comic-wise is the she did something during Secret Wars, maybe the Runaways. She no, that was um she did she co-wrote the A Force mini with um G Willow Wilson, and she took over that right. book when it came out, which it was an okay book. Um, it's pretty good. I hear Gem was Gem has a lot of fans. It's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. She's writing Hawkeye right now, uh, the Kate Bishop right. series. I'm mixed on that, but that's because, you know, Kate Bishop and the rest of the Young Avengers, I've got a very kind of fixed idea of them in my head. And just ever since Matt Fraction uh, wrote her, I feels like yeah. that one interpretation has become so dominated. So well, yeah, that kind of happened with uh, that yeah. Hawkeye comic. Yeah. It completely I, changed how everyone writes I, uh, Tim Barton. I've got, yeah, I've got a lot of, a lot of words about that series, but this is not the topic. Um, yeah, Star Wars. Um, I think yeah. what really interests me is the fact that um, Marco Cicciato is the artist, and I love his work. Yeah, Ever since I love. He yeah, I do. On Punisher with a uh, Greg Rucka, mm-hmm. I've been. I'm like fanatical about his work. Yeah, he he's was fantastic on Shattered Empire, which was well, the journey. The to bits the he, well, the, the bits he did. He didn't do the. Well, he didn't do the whole series. Four issues? Something like that, because he went to. Um, he did another. He went to another series i don't remember what series uh i do not remember it was the obi-wan and anakin series he had to get a head start of that he wrote that he did with uh, charles soul right 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 i never i didn't read that i just remember that he was the artist on it mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, that one's one. I want to read it because that's a really interesting place in the timeline that hasn't been covered much in yeah. new canon. And, um, but I and just Soul's taking over it. whatchamacallit. Uh, Darth, uh, Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah. Which, okay, sidebar on Darth Vader. So the Darth Vader series that's going to come out now by Soul, and I do not know who the artist he's working with and on that, takes place just after Revenge of the Sith. Um, I found the artist. Um, it's a Giuseppe Camoncoli. Cam- oh, that's cool. I really like uh, his artwork. I, I like it too. Um, I'm, I gotta, I'm curious about the tone that Soul's going to try and go for because you know, he does a lot of like Spider-Man and stuff. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm curious if that's going to be a, a good fit for Vader. It would be interesting. I think, what was I saying? Um, yeah, so the second volume of Darth Vader takes place not long after Revenge of the Sith. Yes. And is supposedly going to feature how Vader built his lightsaber after losing his other one on Mustafar. Yeah. And I am slightly peeved about that because one of my ideas for a Darth Vader solo movie was <laughs> telling how he invent how he created his lightsaber and going oh. through the Sith trials at the behest of Palpatine in order to form him into the perfect Sith yeah. apprentice. That's fine. I don't get to dictate what Lucasfilm or Marvel do with their stories. I just think that would have been cooler as a movie than a comic. Yeah. But that's a complete sidebar on <laughs> the comics. I just wanted a movie that opened the same way that the first Force Awakens game opens, basically. Minus the whole adopting Sam Witwer. <sighs> no, we're not getting. We're not getting into. No, no, we're no, not. Yeah, we're not doing it. Move on, move on. Segue. The next thing we were going to talk about is the rest of the Journey to the Last Jedi books, which covers two young adult novels, which is a lot less than it was during the Journey to the Force Awakens. Yeah. But the what we get is Leia, Princess of Alderaan, by Claudia Gray, and the Legends of. Luke Skywalker by Ken Liu, which is interesting. I think I'm very interested in Legends of Luke Skywalker. Yes, yeah, because... that was that was the book that I was talking about before. That one I want to... I mean, Because hopefully we get a sense of what he's up to after Revenge of... Not Revenge of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I'm not 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 to knock on the um, the Leia book. It's Claudia Gray. She writes a good Leia. Mm-hmm. I will read that. But I'm I'm definitely more curious as to um, a Legends of Luke Skywalker. Yeah, the I thing with the the Leia book is what it's going to cover because we pretty yeah. much know Leia's entire story unless it kind of shows who she was as like a junior senator before A New Hope. Possibly. But if it's just like a new spin on her like experiences on the Death Star and stuff. I, I don't know where they're yeah. gonna go with that. But um, I'm very excited for a book that might give us a hint to where the hell Luke went yeah. after Have you did you ever read anything by uh Ken Liu? I have not. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about him. I've just never yeah. gotten around to uh reading anything by him. Yeah, unfortunately I've just his, his stuff is just kinda of passed me by. Yeah. But I, I like most of the new canon novels have been introducing me to new writers. Like I didn't know Claudia Gray's work before. Ba, 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 ba. Mm-hmm. What novel did she do? 
Um, Lost Stars and Bloodlines. Lost Stars. Yeah. Which has been adapted to a manga, apparently. Yeah, I saw that. That's interesting. So yeah, the basically the, the young adult novels are looking interesting. I'm just kind of... I'm a little disappointed that there's only like the three novels that got announced. Mm. Because if you look at the journey to the Force Awakens stuff, I feel like there was more. I think, you know what, I think it's because we're, we maybe, I th- well, there were more, there were more, but I think we're also overestimating it because I think we're also th- unconsciously throwing in stuff like, you know, like Tarkin, Dark Disciple, what was the name of that Luke Skywalker book that I don't remember? Uh, Heir to the Jedi. Heir to the Jedi. Wait. Get it? It's a pun because Heir to the Empire, Heir to the Jedi. That was really the name of it? Yeah. That, that was it, so funny story about that is it was actually supposed to be the third part in the Empire and Rebellion trilogy of the like old EU novels. So uh-huh. there was Razor's Edge, which was about Leia. There was Honor Among Thieves, which was about Han Solo, and then there was going to be Heir to the Jedi about Luke. But because it was like mostly done, and then they were like, "Oh, we're rebooting the canon," uh. it just kind of survived into the new canon. Huh. So right. it's the th- yeah, it's the third spiritual part of a trilogy the first two parts that are legends and the third part is canon it's kind of a situation um but yeah if you look at the journey to the force awakens we got the first part of aftermath which was a huge story for star wars even though you know looking back on it it didn't actually cover as much as the other two novels it was our first look at what happened after the battle of endor and canon then you got Lost Stars, which is maybe still the best Star Wars novel released since Disney bought. I agree with that. I agree with that. Like, yeah, that's still a good book. And then yeah. you got the three junior novels in Moving Target, Smuggler's Run, and Weapon of a Jedi. Weapon of a Jedi being a better Luke Skywalker novel than Heir to the Jedi, by the way. Yeah, that's actually the only one of those three that I read. The other two are pretty good, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like I hope we get to see more announced as we lead up to. The Last Jedi is basically my point. Yeah. Um, I know it's early days, but I, hope... I don't know. I figured they're gonna, probably going to do something else at maybe at San Diego, possibly. That's I don't possible. know. Uh, um, it might just be kind of too early to actually announce stuff. Yeah. One of the things that is interesting that got announced at Celebration is the Star Wars Adventures comic series by IDW. Did you hear about this? This is a this was a weird announcement, and not because of the content but why isn't marvel doing this i have zero idea why marvel isn't doing this like i mean Um, i know they're supposed to be kind of like all ages and i don't trust marvel to do all ages material at all but that's so strange it was really weird to hear them be like hey we've got a new comic announced and it's a new ongoing series and it's gonna take place in all era of the movies going from the phantom menace to the last jedi and everything in between it's going to be actually all ages and it's going to be an anthology series with rotating cast of creators and it's got a cover by chris samney and it's by idw yeah like where did that come from i'm excited but i'm perplexed yeah that chris samney cover is gorgeous though yeah it's it's all beautiful material it's just I, I, the story behind why why IDW is doing it is probably a little bit more interesting to me. Like, who came up with this idea first? Like, did Lucasfilm or or what have you go to IDW and say we we want 
this kind of anthology series or did IDW pitch them a comic series and they were just like, yeah, sure, go for it. I don't know. It's very odd. I do hope we get to see some... This is this is a weird ask. I do hope we get to see some prequel trilogy content because I feel like ever since Disney took over, they've been like, oh no, let's focus what? on mm-hmm. the sequel mm-hmm. trilogy. No, no, that exist. What? Mm. Prequel who? Anakin who? But like... There's nobody recording. I'd like to see some Ahsoka <laughs> stories in here. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind that. She's got a story in one of them, doesn't she? She was on the cover. Does she? I mean, yeah. But um, I don't think we know anything about yeah. the kind of creative themes that we're getting on that. But I, 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 yeah, I'm, curi- I'm excited for this. See, I'm curious to see what a uh, an all-ages Jyn Erso story looks like. <laughs> considering well, how yeah. dark that movie was. I mean, we're getting Rebel Rising, which is supposedly like a young adult novel by, I think, Beth Bevis is going to kind of show what she was up to after joining Saw Gerrera, but before being abandoned by Saw Gerrera. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even hear about this one. Yeah, I knew so about Guardians that's... of the Willis, but I only knew that because Greg Rucka was writing it. Yeah, it was uh, I... announced a little while back. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. And now we kind of come to the main event, which was... <laughs> so, like, it's kind of interesting because it wasn't the biggest announcement you know, you had the huge Last Jedi announcement, you had the Rebels announcement, you had the 40th anniversary mm. panel with all its surprises, yeah. and then kind of tucked away, I think on the Saturday, maybe even the Sunday, they were just like, hey, here's all the information about Battlefront 2, and also a novel, and also be hyped for Star Wars video games again. Yeah, it actually has a story this time. A story that... Okay, so we're going to make fun of this but I'm very excited about this. Like, so the basically Battlefront 2 is actually going to have a single player campaign, yeah. despite what happened in the first one. I maintain that Battlefront Twilight Company is a serviceable <laughs> replacement for the single player game, because that, <laughs> that book will... That doesn't count. It's a replacement. That doesn't it count. I like that novel, seriously. Oh, no, um, no, I'm not saying it's a bad novel. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, it's not in the game. Yeah. It doesn't count. No, I, I, I get that. Surprisingly, or surprisingly to me, at least, the Battlefront 2 single-player campaign is going to take place from the perspective of the Imperials. And not just the Imperials, but, like, the elite of the elite of the elite of the Imperials in the form of the uh, Inferno Squadron. I, I mentioned that on Twitter, like... Mostly just because of everything happening around the world. Uh, yeah. We're playing as Imperials for this game? Really? It's, it's but, a strange choice. And yeah. the, the language they used especially was very strange. Yeah. Which is why I say we're going to make fun of it, even though I'm very excited about it. Like, I get, I get where they're coming from, which is, hey, you've had all of these stories and all of these games and whatnot that are taking place from the perspective of the Rebels, and you kind yeah. of know their side of the story from the movies. Yeah. Let's switch up a bit and show what happens when... Like, the the concept is, what if you're an Imperial and you watch the second Death Star blow up? What's that like to have your kind of faith in your empire shaken like that and yeah. have to recover from it and go on this big revenge mission against the Rebels? That's interesting. Oh, yeah. But, it's, but also, you it's have really these developers... Awkward. Yeah. It's, it's a little awkward, especially when you have the developers saying stuff like, you know, you're going to play as, like, the heroes of the Empire, and you're going to really kind of see what it's like on the other side. And I'm like, I kind of don't want to want to sympathize yeah. with the space Nazis. Yeah, no, I really don't. 
It's kind of like I, it depends okay. on how they play it, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I kind of don't trust them to play it in a nuanced way. Yeah, I, I kind of, I may have just came up with this analogy on the spot, but it's almost yeah. like imagine. So the next Call of Duty game is taking place in World War Two again. Yes, but imagine if they made a Call of Duty World War Two game where you play as the Nazis running to Argentina to hide after the end of the World War Two. Yeah, now I wouldn't want to play that. That's a little bit of what we're getting. It's, okay, it's, it's kind of what, quite is what we're getting, except but in space. But it is a little bit, except yeah. in space. And also, okay, so what interests me about this is the idea that it's going to tie into the contingency. And we talked about this during the uh, Empire's End conversation, which is basically Palpatine's big plan for, if I die, y'alls are fucked, you know? Like, if I can't have the galaxy, no one can have the galaxy. And to have, you know, we got the Sentinel droid showing up in the trailer, the uh, red robe with the weird hollow screen, and get a story that's like, hey, the Emperor's dead, but you're getting messages from after his death to go kill, like, because I I assume you're going to be taking on New Republic forces in this. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's apparently going to take place after six. I don't know if it's going to go all the way up to, Mm -hmm. uh, that could just be... I don't remember the protagonist's name. That could just be her doing like a, uh, a monologue and then flashing back. Aiden Versio, something like that. Aiden Versio, got it in one. Hold on. A weird ass Star Wars name. I wonder if we're gonna get kind of the framing being that Aiden's like survived to when the Empire's become the First Order, kind of around the Force Awakens, and most of it is. A flashback and kind of you get maybe the prologue mission and the final mission are on Starkiller base or something and Possibly. then you're flashing back to like you, I, they got you there. can't tell if that if it's whatchamacallit if it's like the problem with the trying to dissect stuff in this trailer is you don't know what's actually story and what's just part of like it should be fine okay so we had a little bit of a technical snafu but we are back and we're still talking about Battlefront 2, and we were talking about how we don't know if the some of the stuff from Starkiller Base and the kind of like Force Awakens tie-in and the Last Jedi tie-in is going to be single-player content or multiplayer content, and how like the the trailers edited so that we kind of can't really tell the progression of the story, but it gives us an idea of where the story begins, um, which is interesting. I think uh, having kind of almost like the the ground floor perspective of the contingency stuff could be cool from like the other side because we see the kind of ground floor perspective from the new republic side and aftermath and i literally just had a thought saying that sentence what's up what if we see aftermath characters in battlefront 2 okay let's not dog around it you want to see ray sloan don't you I want, I want to see Ray Sloan in this yeah. game. <laughs> I know. I want yeah. to see Ray Sloan in this motherfucking game. Oh, I'm excited for this now. Yeah. Although, there is something else that um, I think you talked about it on Twitter, and it is an interesting critique. It seems like the the two most prominent women of color in the uh, expanded uh, the new EU are Imperials. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I would bump very... that to three with Sienna, Sienna, Rie. oh, Latri, yeah, uh, and Lost Stars. Yeah, I, 
that's I mean like three is a trend. Yeah. And it's a bit wonky. The end of that book is very complicated where she is by that point, but again, it's it's but it is also you know the woman of color stays true to the space Nazi doctrine and the I'm fairly sure Thane is a white dude. All the art I've seen of him has kind of put him as a white dude. Yeah, I don't know officially. He goes off to join the rebels and yeah. is the quote-unquote good guy. And it's a bit... It's suspect, is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. For I wonder if this is a Disney thing. Where they're saying, oh, no, 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 no. The Empire aren't Nazis. Oh, they're God. just fascists. And they're trying to pull a Hydra aren't Nazis thing with Star Wars. You know what? If I saw... Okay, bear in mind that I'm a white dude, so I really shouldn't be talking about this. Both of us are white. Is that? Yeah, that is the disclaimer it's just on very this discussion. Odd that the only three most prom. Well, trying to think, who else has been introduced? I'm trying to think. It just, um, I'm just talking like is... EU stuff, not movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think Sabine is supposed to be read as a woman of color, um, who's very not imperial, yeah. as well as her bounty hunter friend from the second season of rebels whose name i cannot remember for the life of me her name has completely escaped me Mm -hmm. um she's also a woman of color so like there there is some balancing but it's very i i i think it is a no 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 the empire aren't nazis look the grand admiral is a black woman and and this isn't even to take away from those characters i mean i like no. How often have we gushed about Sloan? Oh yeah, like Ray Sloan is my favorite character for them, the new EU. Yeah, as just a bit weird that it it seems a little overcompensating to say mm-hmm. you know we've we've pushed the the empire is this really kind of stark black and white morality. These are the bad guys, and you know they're bad mm-hmm. guys because they're pro human fascists and yeah. specifically target and enslave alien races that aren't humans but they're cool with black people it's it's very strange it's it's that whole whatchamacallit let's use aliens or elves and dwarves to talk about race it's it's a very it's always been a very weird line because they do that with not only wookies but um twi'leks yes um twi'leks have been used like i i don't know if it's the same the new canon as it was in the old canon but like Twi'leks have been enslaved basically their entire civilization in various yeah. forms that's why you see them show up in uh in Jabba's palace and whatnot it's weird because there's no kind of definitive like th- like I-, I can't like point the finger and be like this sucks because on the one hand we are getting more women of color representation in Star Wars on the other hand it's not the movies you know other than yeah that's the other fans, thing too like, how many Star Wars fans who have been turned on to Star Wars from Force Awakens are going to know about Ray Sloan? Yeah. She's the nichest of niche characters. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, you know, even like, being, like... I love Ray like, Sloan. Even before, like, even before, whatchamacallit, before Rebels, like, how many people, how many Star Wars fans honestly knew about Thrawn? Like, when you compare to the people who just watched the movies to those who read the old EU. I think, honestly, I feel like bringing in Thrawn was for, uh, he's not on this, so I can say it. It's for people like Brian. 
for like who grew up with the original trilogy and who's like was mm. probably introduced to the concept of the EU through Heir to the Jedi. It fucking there I go. Heir to the Empire. I I, th- I think it was for the kind of the older fans who were maybe naysaying the new canon, who were kind of oh well I spent thirty years you know dedicate myself to this can like old canon of expanded universe stories only for you to like wipe them out. It was maybe a show of goodwill to be like hey you know that like of the two characters that everyone wants to bring back Thrawn is one of them and the other is Mara yeah. Jade but and I don't see us getting Mara Jade back that's going to be happening at this point especially not with how The Last Jedi is going about yeah it is very strange um Star Wars is in a cool place right now but yeah. it's also in a place where you can kind of be like there are some weird decisions being made yeah like I said I'm I'm a lot more bringing this back to what we were supposed to be talking about um, oh, yeah, what, I'm a lot more excited for Battlefront 2 than I was the first Battlefront. The first Battlefront that... I hate the, the firing system for this, these fucking games. Because it's not just the Star Wars games. It feels like the PS4, Xbox One generation has gone, oh, well, all of our sequels are just going to yeah. be titled the same as the very first game. Yeah. I don't like that. I think it was Yahtzee who said that, you know... Archaeologists are going to be incredibly confused a hundred years from now. That's true. When when they dig up the uh, the copies of Battlefront the World. yeah, after the after the nuclear winter, yeah. um, which hopefully comes after December what fifteenth, twenty seventeen, something like that. I'm cool with the world going up in flames as long as it happens after episode eight. Episode nine, I'm kind of effy on because I'm not a huge fan of Colin Trevorrow. But like, I want to see episode eight. Yeah, nah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't. I need to know more about nine before I uh, I get hyped. But uh, I'll focus on the one in front of me. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm because I'm okay. I'm a fan of the first Battlefront, the first EA Battlefront, the last Battlefront, wherever you want to call it. The one preceding the game that we're talking about right now. Yeah. I liked it, but also I got it for like a tenner on sale a year after it came out and it was, wasn't actually part of the original hype and got most of the pre-order content packaged in with it. I, so yeah. I, I'm not taking it at the value that it was upon release. It, I would not have paid 60 bucks for it. Oh god, no. Like, it feels like they wanted to get something out to say, see, the EA Lucasfilm deal is a good idea. We were justified in closing down LucasArts, which, no, they weren't. No, you weren't. God, no, they weren't. Bring back 1313. Is that what it was called? 1313? Yes. The weird, like, Star Wars Uncharted game that was going to happen. Yes, Star Wars 1313. But, I mean, that's a, a bit of a different trend in regards to video games. Like, all right, we'll make the first one. And then we'll make the sequel, and that'll be the actual game. Yeah. Um, it's... I won't name names. <coughs> order. The order. Sorry. What were we talking about? Bad werewolf games. <laughs> right. Um, uh, I, didn't, I didn't play that at all, because I'm not paying 60 bucks for it, half a game. Well, no, don't. Um, I'm still I'm still hyped to play Battlefront 2, though. Yeah, like, me too. It's, it's the thing that happens every time that there's a new big video game release is we kind of just sit and be snarky for a little while and then go no but we we do want to play it though and we haven't even gotten into the fact that um they announced that claudia gray's inferno squad novel is being retitled as battlefront 2 inferno squad and is going to be 
basically a prologue to the game. I, I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily think that. I don't think it was just retitle. I think that's what it always was. They were just waiting well, for yeah. for Battlefront too. But um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that too. Like like I said with the Leia book, I I like Claudia Gray's Star Wars work. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because the what they said is that it's going to show the basically the origins of <coughs> Inferno Squad, and it's going to be taking place after the Battle of Scarif with the Inferno Squad hunting down the remnants of Thor Guerrero's. I think they're called the Partisans. Um, his yeah, our rebel group. They're rebels, but they're more rebelly. Oh. Uh, yeah, they're the 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 militant extreme rebels that are Cody the Not Middle the, Eastern. Uh... And are looked down upon by the white rebels who are justified. There's some Star weird Wars stuff. Star Wars is bad, guys. Star Wars is bad. Star Wars is bad. Sorry, sorry, guys. Like this was what happens when you talk long about enough about Star Wars is that you kind of start going like, oh no, oh no. This Star is Wars really is bad not good. Movie. Star Wars is bad movie. But no, I'm the Star Wars has always had its kind of weird problems, but I'm excited about the next kind of year or so. Maybe even two years because we're not getting a celebration next year for some reason. Oh, we're not. Um, no, the the next <laughs> celebration is taking place twenty nineteen. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Probably, as I don't know what the decision there is, but I'm assuming I'm not assuming anything. I don't know why they're doing it. I think yeah. it's a very silly decision to not capitalize on this every year. But it's their company. Well, maybe that could um, be for the for the better. Maybe. I don't know. I, like, it might just be that they don't like really t- have... We've, we've talked... Yeah, we've talked about it, but uh, again, they're being very, very conservative with the mm. license. Yeah, which kind of surprises me. Like, they're putting out content very regularly. You know, between the films that are, like, once a year at this point, uh, Rebels, oh. and multiple novels a year, I would be shotgunning which, the shit out of the door. Um, I should... I, should, I guess, speaking of content, we should just tie it back to Battlefront. Uh, no season pass, which I really enjoy. Yeah. I, hope that's a, I hope that's a trend that is starting to finally die. I wonder if EA has learned from winning multiple yeah. Worst Businesses of the Year awards. <laughs> to maybe... I don't know. What's it called? Destiny? Well, Destiny 2's... Oh, no, that's Activision. Never mind. That's Activision. They will never learn. Video games are all the same. Yeah. Everybody game is the same. For some game. reason, I, I mean, EA, Activision, they just they fucking blend after a while. Honestly, like all the big kind of video game publishers, we're getting off track again. Yeah. Star Wars Battlefront 2 looks pretty cool. The game's Rebel podcast will ending. come soon, don't worry. Oh god, no, I don't, I can't handle a game's <laughs> podcast. The boiled piss is too much. Oh, I love it. Um, Do it once a month, yeah. just like, yeah, we don't play any video games. Video games are bad. Video games yeah. are for losers. Star Wars is for losers. If you're listening to this, you are a loser like me. But yeah, I think we're going to wrap up this conversation there because we're getting very off track because surprisingly there wasn't a lot to talk about from this celebration news-wise. I mean, we got an error out of it, but like that was all the big news, which surprised me. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Do we have any any parting thoughts? No, um, yeah, the biggest thing out of this was Battlefront 2, even though, you know, we all knew that was coming. Well, outside yeah. of the trailer, which it looked good. Uh, more of a tone setter. 
Yeah. I kind of like that they just are doing away with Kylo Ren's mask. Oh, yeah. Like, Which, if uh... you're going to make... I, I, this is where I'm going to get incredibly wanky, but I feel like oh, the concept of, like, masks was something of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And, like, this, him breaking his mask, that's, like... Because one of the big criticisms of Force Awakens was it felt very much like a redo of of A New Hope. So and this feels like a, like a lot symbolic of, breaking of that. Yeah, a, a lot of the Last Jedi teaser felt like this is the new Star Wars. Whereas yeah. Force Awakens was, like, I called it weaponized nostalgia, which was everything old is new again. All of the stuff that you loved from a kid has been like redone in new styles and the stormtroopers look like stormtroopers but they're kind of different whereas this yeah. is no you're getting new and very different star wars yeah. content which is exciting yeah but i think we're gonna wrap that up there before we start some kind of war against video games <laughs> or before we um, crash again can... that is true uh the the way we're hosting this is a bit rickety so where can the folks find you on the Twitters and the internets and the stuffs? I'm staff writer over at Multiversity Comics. You can find me on Twitter at Scholar. You can find me on Tumblr, um, discgruntscholar.tumblr.com. I stream irregularly on Twitch. So that's twitch.com backslash discgrunt, uh, actually backslash Kimberly 789 um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. And keep listening because in a moment I will be joined by Brian Salvatore because we're going to be talking about the dumbest decision I'm going to make in my entire life and also teasing some (laughs) of the Star Wars content we'll be bringing to Multiversity pretty soon. But thank you for talking with me, Ken, and waffling about Star Wars news for close to an hour, which is kind of how we do it on the Force Ghost. Take care. Okay, and we're back. So what you just heard was myself and Ken talking about the news of Celebration and the kind of reactions to that. And this is kind of a little addendum to the end of the episode where I'm talking again with Brian. You might have seen him or listened to him in the minisode we did about the Last Jedi trailer. And we're going to be talking about some challenges we've set ourselves (laughs) over the next year. Maybe more than a year on my part. Yeah, I'd say significantly more than a year on your part. Um, Unless so you, you somehow have... like stop interacting with society at all and just become a hermit who reads Star Wars Legends novels. But, you well, know, we'll see. I kind of did that when they started doing the canon novels where I read more than <laughs> 10 in one year. So it might... Uh, it's still going to take a while, though. Okay, so for listeners, you if you missed it during our minisode, Brian set himself a reading challenge up to The Last Jedi like release in december do you want to do you want to fill people in on that sure um so i have not read any of the canon the new canon star wars novels except i read like a third i think of the greg rucker written before the awakening book which i put down for reasons i can't remember uh it wasn't because i didn't like it i just stopped reading it uh but i would like to get more or less caught up on the novel reading by the time the last jedi comes out so uh, by Alice's count, that means there's something like 13 novels, right? Uh, I have 15 in 15, my okay. list here. Okay, 15. And um, so my goal is to try and read all of them before The Last Jedi. Now, I have not started yet, so I am I am prefacing this with that. Um, 
and I could see a couple of them maybe not making the cut just because for time reasons. But mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely I want to read uh, a New Dawn, Tarkin, yep. Lords of the Sith, Heir to the Jedi. That he you can maybe skip. Okay, I okay. Say, I would say Weapon of a Jedi is a better Luke novel than Heir to the Jedi. Okay, okay. Um, I was actually going to skip those three that go together though. The, uh, isn't isn't what well, Weapon of the Jedi smugglers were on a moving target? Aren't they all kind of sort of? They were released together. I think um, smugglers on a moving target are more interconnected. Okay. In that, well, they're kind of connected. Um, moving target is interesting to me because it takes place after Empire Strikes Back, so it's kind of the replacement for Shadows of the Empire. Okay, interesting. But not really. Kind of weirdly hand waving. Um, but weapon of weapon of a Jedi, I prefer over Air to the Jedi because Air to the Jedi's kind of mediocre okay i think well what i was essentially going to say was i really want to read a new dawn tarkin lords of the sith i want to read uh lost stars yes the, the aftermath trilogy mm-hmm. and bloodline and um thrawn like those are those yeah. are my priority ones right now yeah and if i can get through those then i'm going to move on to the other ones mm-hmm. um, does that sound fair that does sound fair if you get through those ones, I say one that should be at the top of the reserve pile is uh-huh. Battlefront Twilight Company, okay. which is a strange one. And I like left it for a while on top of my reading pile and kind of only got to it after Rogue One came out. But it turns out it's really good. It's okay. fairly long, which is why I'm fine with you kind of skipping it, because it took me a while to read it. I think it's the longest, other than Empire's End, it's the longest of the new canon novels, I okay. believe. So it's kind of dense, it's kind of crunchy, but it's also a very interesting look at the mindset of the the Republic infantry. So okay. like the Rogue One kind of presented itself as like the the layman's view of the the Star Wars universe and the Galactic Civil War being fought by like ordinary people. This is the the background extras of Rogue One's story. Pretty okay. Much. Um, now, which is very interesting. Should... Should Catalyst be in that first batch, or is that fine waiting? Um, Catalyst pretty much exists to give more flavor to Rogue One. Okay. You get more sense of Orson Krennic and his relationship with uh, Galen, Jin's uh, father, during the kind of tail end of the Clone Wars and the start of the the Empire's regime, and kind of the, the very early days of the construction of the Death Star. Because I don't know if you remember this, but one of the final shots of Revenge of the Sith, after, you know, you get the big Vader reveal, is Vader standing under the bridge of the Death Star, and not Death Star, uh, Star Destroyer, with the Emperor, and with a very far away version of uh, Tarkin, looking at a, like, almost fairly foreign construction Death Star. You know, you've got, like, the full frame and kind of the dish there. And that always weirded me out that there's a Death Star that that's, that's that far along, like, almost 20 years before... Right, like, yeah, 18 years before, yeah, yeah. Right? But this novel actually does a good job of tying into, like, why was that construction there? Why did it take 19 years for it to actually be used? And the the politicking behind how it even got constructed... Um, I would say if you're reading Tarkin, Catalyst is a good kind of accompaniment to that because it's the same 
uh, author, James Luceno. Okay. And it's a really good... It's like Star Wars political intrigue, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. Now, how many books have been announced for this year? Um. So, Empire's End has already come out. Right. Thrawn, Thrawn just came out. recently came out. Um, we've got Inferno Squadron, or Inferno Squad, in, I want to say, July, which is kind of like uh, Twilight Company, and it's a tie-in novel to the next Battlefront game. Okay. And then... I think we've got the the Phasma novel for the end of the year, right. as well as um, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and The Legends of Luke Skywalker, which we touched on kind of earlier in the episode with Ken. I'm really excited for um, Legends of Luke Skywalker and what that might reveal about Luke's journey after Return of the Jedi. Right. But I don't know what that Leia novel is going to be about. You know, that's kind of up in the air as to whether it's kind of a look at her life before the events of a new hope or what but um it seems to be kind of a young adult novel so it may be kind of on the the reserve list right because i'm looking at this and I'm, I'm thinking i'll probably definitely add the phasma to my must read before the last yeah. jedi list but i think everything else i might keep till after I mean, look, Even, I, I, I'm trying to get through all of it, but yeah. I, I have to be realistic about this. I have two yeah. kids and a job, and, uh, you know, I like to sleep a little bit, so it would be nice if I could not kill myself doing this. So that, that's still three, six, nine. That's still ten novels between yeah, now and uh, December, so. Um, I should mention for listeners that there's there's two main absences, absences here, which is the Ahsoka novel and the Dark Disciple novel, and that's because Brian hasn't watched Clone Wars yet. Which we'll get to in a minute. Would, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Um, but those would constitute kind of major spoilers for the tail end of that show, or how where characters ended up, and I didn't want to spoil that until Brian finished that, which we could probably just get into now. Sure, then we'll swing back to your challenge. All right, which so, uh, yeah, I'm going to start covering Clone Wars for Multiversity. Uh, first, uh, th- this... This episode of Force Ghost will come out uh, after my review of the Clone Wars film will come up. Um, oh. And then, because this is coming out on uh, like Friday, May... Yeah. No, because that's that's uh, Manga Club. So this is coming out the Friday oh. after that. Oh, yeah. Our... Podcast weirdness. Everything is kind yeah, of I, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Friday, May twelfth. So uh, during that week, I'll be reviewing the Clone Wars film, and then weekly for the summer, I'll be reviewing uh, season one of the Clone Wars. So Which I don't know. Very don't cool know. for me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm. I'm. You're actually the person I'm most nervous about reading my reviews because I feel like there's going to be a lot of things we're going to be like, oh, silly Brian. This is clearly, you know, you don't understand the full importance of this uh, yet. But that's kind of the fun of it too. Yeah, it's, it's something I've been kind of on Brian's case for lovingly um, for a while now, which is I, like, so the Clone Wars is what kind of got me back into my Star Wars kick. I tried to watch it as it was coming out, but the chronology of the episodes kind of weirded me out. The stuff where, like, the the very early seasons, a lot of the episodes are aired out of the order of how their chronology is in the world, but also intentional. It, it was something that kind of didn't gel properly with me. So once the sixth season came out on Netflix, 
StarWars.com was like, here's the official chronological order of all of the episodes of Clone Wars. And I think I binged them in four weeks. And just after that, the journey to The Force Awakens kind of kicked off. And we start getting new novels and we start getting new content. I was like, I can get them back in Star Wars. <laughs> and this is how I ended up here with a, a monthly Star Wars podcast. <laughs> yeah, so I... When I started watching, I guess not rather, when when the Clone Wars started, I don't think I had a DVR yet, or if I did, I, I, just, I wasn't, I had such a sour taste in my mouth after the prequels, I wasn't really feeling Star Wars for a while. And I had not watched the hand-drawn Star Wars, which, uh, Clone yeah. Wars, which I know a lot of people are very fond of, and actually I'm going to be reviewing those at some point also. I, I want to get through all the Clone Wars stuff, but I'll probably save those for like... Maybe I'll bang those out in like a winter break or something, you yeah. know. Um, those are those are really cool to go back to. Um, there there's some really cool moments in there that really shape the kind of visual aesthetic going into the CGI. They're not like directly connected, but I feel like the success of the hand drawn one informed the view of how they told the stories in the the later CGI one. And it's weird that. Um... Oh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, General Grievous was introduced mm -hmm. in the hand-drawn ones, almost yeah. like how uh, Boba Fett was introduced in the in the Christmas special. Yeah, which the holiday special. I feel like people try to forget that. It's not a case of <laughs> oh, they just, that slips their mind. I feel like people are actively repressing that. <laughs> Probably, um, but yeah, it's it's interesting because um, so the hand-drawn ones technically rendered legends at this point because if you watch the hand-drawn one when Grievous is introduced, he's like a mass murdering Jedi badass. Like he's the coolest thing you've ever seen. And then you watch the start of Revenge of the Sith and he's hobbling about and he's wheezing and he's coughing and he still kind of kicks ass on the, uh, what planet is it? The Utapau scene with Kenobi. Yeah. But like, he, it's such a marked difference. And I feel like it's one of those things where the, the production schedules you know, like, the, the the cartoons started coming out and they hadn't fin kind of finalized how he was being presented in the movie. But the, the Clone Wars, the CGI one's much more in line with the uh, the movie version. Okay. Um, but there's it kinda, there's a couple episodes that maybe kind of hint at his backstory, which is it's really cool. Those are some, some of my favorite episodes. But yeah, as your coverage of the Clone Wars goes on, we'll hopefully try and get you back on the show to start kind of dive deep into some of my favorite arcs and see your reaction to them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I uh, My fear is that I'm going to watch season one and then because I don't have the carrot of needing to review season two right away, I'm going to stop watching it. Or mm -hmm. I'm going to plow through and have, like, years worth of reviews banked on my computer, you know, that, uh, that who knows if I'll even be alive to publish. So it's we'll, uh we'll, we'll, we'll get those up posthumously okay thank we're, you we've got like episode it's gonna be like tupac you're gonna have episodes of <laughs> <in> the bank. <laughs> just uh, releasing for like decades after your death i i promise you this okay if i get a terminal diagnosis i will tupac style tattoo jedi life on my belly <laughs> like he had thug life so that the posthumous <laughs> thing just makes the most sense I would fly over to America to watch that happen. <laughs> that would be the best. Well, I'd be dying, so it wouldn't be that good. Well, yeah, but... it, it, it would be bittersweet, but for, for those for those few moments, it would be, it would be something to see. It certainly um, would. Okay, we, so we should probably talk about the, the reading challenge that I've sent myself. The crazy one, is, yeah. 
Well, yeah. Well, my feeling is you you're taking on all of the Clone Wars stuff, which is kind of a big gap in your your Star Wars um yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's the big part of the canon stuff of the new canon stuff that you're missing. And as we've kind of mentioned on the show before, I have a huge gap in my Star Wars knowledge based on the Legends novels because I was born in 1993, which is after kind of some of the big early ones came out, like Heir to the Jedi. And by the time I was old enough to actually read, the Legends, well, the EU, as it was called at the time, the big kick had already swung in. And by the time I got into reading Star Wars novels around uh, 2007, 2008, like there was already hundreds of novels released and I kind of didn't know where to start. So I've had this huge gap in my Star Wars knowledge for this like couple decades of my life that was basically all the novels outside of the movies. And so my challenge to myself that is not uh, got a time constraint because I think I would actually physically die Probably. is to read all of the Star Wars Legends novels, which is lofty. That, that's one way to put it. Um, so I worked it out and I basically cut out all of the uh, young reader stuff. So there's no Jedi quest, there's no young Jedi or junior Jedi knights, all of the kind of scholastic stuff mm-hmm. um, I've killed. But I'm still looking at, at first count, 154 novels, <laughs> which is, that's a lot of books. It is. That is a lot of books. And it's a lot of books with very, very wide-ranging quality. Oh, for sure. So the way I'm going to be reading them is I'm going to be reading them in publication order. Because one of the things I want to do is we've mentioned now, I think, at least three times in the show that I haven't read um, Heir to the Empire or the Thrawn trilogy at all. And I kind of want to get past the stigma of never having read that trilogy of novels and I want to go through them like the way people would have went through them as they were being released right, you know, without right. kind of muddling up reading stuff that was published after that technically takes place before uh, chronologically um, so I'm reading them in publication order and starting with Splinter of the Mind's Eye which I'm at time of recording about three maybe four chapters in and that's now, do, a weird do, book do you have a physical copy of that or are you reading this digitally uh, I'm reading it on my Kindle. Okay. So I was going to say, I've never even seen that book. It's strange. So as far as I know, the kind of story behind it is that Alan Dean Foster was contracted to write treatment for a Star Wars sequel that would be cheap and easy to film if they didn't have enough money to do what they eventually did with um, The Empire Strikes Back. So, you know, and you can kind of tell where it's all set on the same planet. Okay. And Han Solo and Chewbacca aren't there. It's just Luke and Leia and I think C-3PO. I don't think R2-D2 is there. Or he, I think he might be. And I'm, yeah, I think he is actually. It's just Luke, Leia, the two droids on this kind of weird marshy kind of swamp planet. And they crash land there after going through uh like environmental storm and get caught up in weird force stuff with the empire there's a there's they come across this old woman who's 100 percent not their version of obi-wan i guarantee it <laughs> but talks to luke about being force sensitive and mentions i think it's the first mention of the uh the kyber crystals which is okay. spelled differently in the novel than the spelling evolves into which is quite funny but that's kind of all i've got up to and it's 
one of the things that's weird about it is that so this is written before the reveal that Luke and Leia are twins and Luke spends I think most of his chapters pining over Leia (laughs) and how he wishes he could be with a girl like that but she wouldn't be with a farm boy like him and it's like it's so creepy to read this like in hindsight because he just you're reading it and you're like you you want to fuck your sister dude (laughs) that's your twin sister stop this i mean to be fair she totally plants one on him in uh in empire oh yeah and it's like it's the moment that george lucas will never live down when he says oh i had it planned out all along and everyone goes like really did you really plan it out when she makes out with her own brother to make her future husband jealous like you could totally if that was edited out of empire it wouldn't it wouldn't lose anything of the story like in in a new hope like not really he, he thinks she's beautiful luke thinks she's beautiful which is a totally fair assessment to have of mm. of of carrie fisher you know because she was beautiful and because you know you can think you're you're sibling i mean i, I only have a brother and i think he's a handsome man you know so it's not like <laughs> I, it's not a weird thing right but that one scene really puts a whole monkey wrench in that I had it figured out the whole time. It's, it's so strange. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those weird kind of creepiness in hindsight where you just kind of, ha- like, introducing new people to Star Wars and kind of hitting that moment if they already know about the reveal, you kind of just go, yeah, it was the 80s. Things were weird. Technically, that was the, was that 1980? It was filmed in 1979, yeah. so well, we can we can blame the okay. 70s. We can bl- Anything in the 70s can be blamed on cocaine, so we can just that say, cocaine, you know. That is very much true. So yeah, my, my long-running, that will hopefully be a recurring segment, if I can kind of read fast enough, that I can kind of do more than one episode before, bring back books before I eventually just die of old age um <laughs> well let's let's well, talk about this so you, you're gonna read split of the mind's eye you're gonna read the two han solo sorry, the three han solo novels three han solo novels and the three lando novels three lando novels and then and, ear to the empire right when okay Hopefully. i want to i want to talk to you about the thrawn trilogy mm-hmm. when when that is relevant yeah that will be once once i start kind of kicking through those i may or may not skip the han solo and lando trilogy until after that Okay. Just because I I like I don't know how important those stories are. I don't think any of the ones before Era of the Empire get referenced ever again. But I could be wrong about that. Yeah, that's uh could be. I'm you would know more than me. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I haven't I haven't read 154 of these books. I've read probably 10 well, of them. Okay. Okay. Um I just thought that maybe those were those were books that like kind of seemed important at the time. But well, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know. Because I have, you know, um, I got them for Kindle, so I have like omnibus editions of each one. So I might slowly plow through those, but skip ahead to Heir to the Empire after Splinters of the Mind's Eye. Yeah. I'll figure See, something now, out. What I think is going to be really interesting about you reading this now is that you obviously have some knowledge about like Thrawn, right? You've seen Thrawn and Rebels. Yeah. It's not exactly the same Thrawn, but it's, you know, it's pretty close. I, I think their their idea was to try and keep it close to like at least and uh and theming close to how he was presented in the novels right at least that's uh, what they said but you're also aware of like mara jade as a character i Vague, presume like so oh really my, oh okay my relationship with mara jade is weird where i've only ever heard hearsay of her 
but I have not read a single thing with her actually in it. Like, I know that okay. she is what, the, the Hand of the Emperor and eventually becomes Luke's wife, I think. Okay. See, that Maybe. will change how you, how you read. Okay, because I was reading these books more or less as they came out, so I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about Mara Jade. And, like, you have to realize that oh, yeah. in 1992 like, or three, when I was reading these, everybody was so hungry for new Star Wars content that she became, like, the poster child for what for the 90s like i really think when i think of like the star wars characters by decade she is the 90s star wars character and i think that that's the character that is going to be missed the most in the new canon because i don't i don't see a way to really fit her in i think it was her and thrawn were the two biggest ones that people kind of brought up whenever disney like was saying we're just going to scrap the old EU and reboot it and have a new canon and those are going to be Legends novels was everyone was saying we want Thrawn back and we want Myra Jade back as far as I know that's kind of what I saw on the internet which is yeah it's going to be interesting because I I do kind of want to know about her because I know people who are huge fans of her but I know almost nothing about her (laughs) other than kind of a vague description of kind of where she ends up which is it's going to be interesting yeah, I, I mean, the character's popularity is so pervasive. Just you know, a couple of days ago on Multiversity, we published a C2E2 cosplay roundup, mm-hmm. and there was a Mara Jade cosplayer in there. Oh, yeah. So people are, people are still really into this character. And I wonder if there isn't a way... I guess you could introduce her as the Hand of the Empire, that as the Emperor, rather. That's not a... Yeah. Uh, a concept, but I don't know if... I don't know if they're going to have Luke... I mean, I guess this is all based on the the presumption that Luke is not Ray's father. But if Luke is not Ray's father, do you think they'll ever give Luke romantic ties again? I don't know. Like they could and I feel like it could be interesting if done right. And like I said, I I haven't actually read anything of um Luke's relationship with Mary Jade, so I don't kind of know how that plays out. But I feel like there's because the in the prequel trilogy, there is all this stuff about how you know the Jedi are basically emotionally abstinent, right? right? Like the idea of compassion is basically forbidden, and that's a big part of um, Attack of the Clones. As much as I wish it hadn't been, and so I feel like you could have that and have it speak to the idea that Luke, no, even though he still wants to be a Jedi like Anakin, because he was never formally taught the ways of the Jedi of old, doesn't have that and can be compassionate and can have a romantic love with someone and still be a Jedi and not kind of fall into that trap that the Jedi were convinced of, which is if you care for someone, you're going to care for them so much that everyone else basically comes after them. And that's like the path to the dark side, which is kind of what happened with Anakin and Padme, if you think about it. Like, they almost had a point. Right. But it was more that Palpatine was manipulating that love for Padme more than anything else. See, I, I just picture, I just picture like, you know, Luke on a date, right? He's like, I picture like yeah. you know, he's, he's in a space Italian restaurant, right? And <laughs> and and he and his his date are they they lady in the trumpet. They have the same piece of spaghetti, and they're about to kiss, and he hears Luke, no, and it's Obi Wan, <laughs> like you know, like, you know, force pushing the spaghetti off the table. <laughs> exactly, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of a. a, a like lightsaber blocking him, <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to find a way. You know, like, uh, but basically being like, nope, nope, can't do that. And and I feel like that would be a really weird scene. Like, you know, that's one of the interesting like, things about. Go ahead. 
I, but I just want to say, like, it's just because it's interesting because the way Return of the Jedi ends, you see the Force ghosts of Anakin, Obi Wan, and Yoda, like, kind of appear to Luke, and we haven't mm-hmm. seen them referenced again. But it's I, I just find the image of Luke forever having my three dads follow him around <laughs> no matter what kind of hilarious. I also wonder if like uh, Force Ghost Obi Wan was like. Luke, this is my Force Ghost uh, mentor, Qui Gon. Like, does does he ever meet new Force Ghosts? Like, you know, if they who knows? ever do like a re 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 release, like another re release of the original uh-huh. trilogy. Like, if George Lucas was in charge, I could one hundred percent see him digitally putting Liam Neeson behind those three. <laughs> it's a waving, <laughs> just waving behind you over here, over here. Yeah, you um, don't know who I am, but the fact yeah. who. <laughs> but what I was going to say about um, sort of the relationship with Luke and, and romance, like, you know, having read the Thrawn trilogy when it came out, there was nothing in Star Wars canon at that point about mm-hmm. Jedi's not having love. Like, yeah. that was that was not a thing. You know, everybody, you, know, you, you kind of presume that Obi-Wan is, is, is this weird old monk who lives in the desert, but you don't think that that's necessarily what all Jedi's were. You, that's, that's, I think, the hardest thing to explain to younger Star Wars fans yeah. uh, is just that, like, we had no idea. The only Jedi we ever saw were Luke, Vader, and Obi-Wan. And, and Vader Yoda. was... And Yoda, yes. And, and Vader was was considered, like, a dark Jedi, right? <clears throat> the term Sith wasn't there. We never saw Yoda yeah. use a lightsaber. We never... Like, there's so many things that we just didn't know. You know, I don't even know if anywhere in the original trilogy you hear the word Carillion associated with Han Solo. No. Like, there are so um, many... It's the same with the uh, the Corellian blood stripes, uh-huh. which became a huge thing in the novels, which is, like, the stripes Han Solo has down the side of his pants became associated with, mm-hmm. like, this Corellian military thing. And I think it was recently kind of Pablo Hidalgo pointed out, like, that's just a feature of the wardrobe, and multiple characters have that. Right. But, like, the novels impart so much information on the minutiae of the details in the, the movies. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think it's very interesting. It's going to be very interesting for you to read these books from the mm. perspective of knowing what you know now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to check them out because I know some of the stuff that happens just through reading Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things that I found really funny is, so the first Legends novel I ever read was the final novel in the Legacy of the Force series because I <laughs> okay. randomly bought it during a visit. So I, I went to um, Disney World in Florida and I think it was like 2008 during a Star Wars weekend and it was during the release of... The, the novel was called Invincible and it was the final part of the Legacy of the Force um, saga which is like a 10-book series that takes place after the 10-book New Jedi Order series. So it's like 30-odd years into the canon after Return of the Jedi, and I started reading it, and I go, I have no idea what's happening. Well, yeah, it, it's it's impenetrable, probably. It's, like, I read, like, three chapters, and I was like, why? Who is Anakin Solo? What? Who is who's Jason? Why is... He, like, what? It was mine... It, it felt like what I can only imagine someone going into any Star Wars canon at this point must feel like if they have no idea what's going on. Yeah, pretty much. It was, it was mind-blowing. And that's, that's I think, one of the benefits, you know, and this is very much tied into, like, my comics fandom, right? Like, in some ways, the new canon is the new 52, right? Like, it's taking... Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
like not in a good, not in a storyline way, but just think about it this way: like it's taking like the concepts okay. that that were that were established beforehand, but you're telling new stories with those concepts. And so yeah. there can be a Thrawn novel that is not really tied into the five other Thrawn novels, mm-hmm. but kind of carries carries a similar like you know aesthetic and a similar understanding of the character. And I know a lot of people who got into comics with the New 52 and have since gone back and been like, oh, that's shit. This is much better. The old stuff. Yeah. The difference is I think that this has a chance of being unified in a way that the old canon could never be unified. Yeah. Um, It's one of the things I remember hearing about um, before. I think it was in a video essay someone did that I'm blanking on. But it was talking about how the the New Jedi Order was kind of constructed in the EU. And going through the novels, like, different authors had different kind of interpretations of what a Jedi Order should be based on right. what little information was given in the films. So some of them had a weird, more sci-fi, twen- uh, like, bent towards stuff. And, like, that's how um, the kind of notion that the Force being biological in some way kind of came. And some of them went fully spiritual, where they all kind of became monks and the what i heard was that the way um george lucas presented it where there were like simultaneously these really repressed monks but are also talking about middle chlorians was kind of getting that middle ground mm-hmm. to appease certain sets of the eu like fandoms without like whole cloth saying like these novels that you've read don't matter right which was a different time than when disney took over where they said these all of these novels that you read don't matter anymore but that's a that's a whole other thing did you read the the piece that jake did on the timothy zahn panel at c2e2 yes briefly the, there was a really interesting thing that zahn said in there where he said that the way he considers the legends novels now are stories that are told around the campfire yeah and how you know all those stories legends is a good banner for them Absolutely. Like, you know, it's the details may not be right. Some of the things might be wrong, but sort of the the heart of them are still there. And I think that's the wisest way to describe them. Because I feel like, think about it. When we meet Rey, she thinks that Luke is a fictional character. He's a legend. He's a myth. And so there must have been, you know, if you encountered a Jedi once on the planet of, uh, I can't think of a clever Scottish name for a planet, the planet of Haggis. And that shows my utter ignorance in all things Scottish. But, like, you know, you would have one understanding of a Jedi. And mm-hmm. over here on my planet of, you know, New Jersey or whatever, I I interacted with a different Jedi. So I have a totally different understanding of Jedi. So you can understand yeah. why some folks might think, oh, no, they're these spiritual monks because they met a really monkish, really bookish, very shy, reserved Jedi. Versus if you yeah. met, like, Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars movie – like, that's a totally different type of Jedi, you know? So I, I can understand why those legends would develop that way. And I, yeah. I think it's a very cool way to look at these books. I just hope that Disney keeps them more or less in print. I hope so, because they've... Well, they've reprinted the, the Thrawn trilogy, for sure. Right. And they've started putting... They've put out some of the, like, later novels with Legends banners. So I hope we do see them kind of bring out even older novels kind of back into print as long as they can keep because like as long as you put the legend banner on them you can just say well it's a legend and uh you bringing up that idea that like legends kind of speak to different truths there's actually a line from uh rebels i don't want to spoil the context for you but there's a line that says there's always a bit of truth in legends which seems that it feels like 
kind of their Lucasfilm's way of kind of nudging towards like, yeah, there's you know, we're not wholesaling abandoning them, but they're just not part of the the referenced canon of the other stories. Right, right. You know, um, I love little things like that. Like, I, I might have mentioned this to you in the past. Are you of the belief that the first spoken line of The Force Awakens is an apology for the prequels? Oh, 100%. Okay. See, I, I, I'm not... Because the first con- spoken line is this will begin to make things right. Right. <laughs> like, but I, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like that's something that all us fans want to believe, but I don't know if Lucasfilm itself would actually do that. I, like, I think that's a kind of JJ thing. That's his, like, he's not, like, putting a whole, whole stamp on, like, like the canon, the prequels are bad and you should feel bad and this is better. They're just saying that if you felt disenfranchised by what happened with the prequels, maybe this will begin to set things right. Yeah. And I think that's why he kind of pushed for a everyone say that like remake of a new hope and how we're seeing like that felt like the the old star wars that like you grew up with and i grew up with and for a little while before the prequels came out and recontextualize them with kind of modern technology but was still kind of core to that storytelling and how moving into episode eight we're getting a star wars that feels genuinely new and modern yeah i hope so at least yeah i hope so too i'm so excited yeah, me too. But, so, uh, so, so why don't we why don't we do this? Let, let's make a little deal here, okay? Uh, so this is coming out in May. Let's yeah. give ourselves until July. But in July, let's do another one of these where we talk about the novels we've read so far. Yes, I I, I believe that will be good because hopefully by then I will have finished at least Splinters of the Mind's Eye, and we'll hopefully have started maybe Ear to the Jedi or one of the Han Solo novels. Okay. Yeah, and I, my goal is to get through two novels by then if not three if not four we'll see we'll see Uh, this is gonna be fun do you know kind of where you're gonna be starting with them Uh, you told me to start with uh new dawn right well that was the first one that got published in the the canon you could start there or you could probably easily start with aftermath it's only kind of the aftermath trilogy links up in terms of like having sequels as opposed to like standalone trilogies okay uh standalone novels sorry so you can pretty much start anywhere but uh it's up to you well i mean the aftermath trilogy sounds like a lot of fun Uh, i I really enjoyed it maybe i'll start there then okay that's my goal my goal is by the time we talk in july to have the aftermath trilogy read that is a lofty goal and we'll 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 see how you do with that in July again? I mean that, that that's the fun of this is to watch me follow my face consistently. This well, is this is, yeah. this is this is the podcast version of me being sideshow Bob, just stepping on rakes left and right, just uh, rake to the face, rake to the face every couple of days. So you you get to hear my like bi monthly disappointment <laughs> as you come on and you go, I didn't read. It's like handing in homework you have finished. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. But no, no, see, here's the thing. Once I get into a book, I plow through books. I'm a very yeah. fast reader. Same. But it's just a matter of, like, finding the time to start the book. So we'll see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order from Amazon the first Aftermath book this week. So That sounds good. There and we are. I think that sounds like a good place to wrap up. Um, this went a bit longer than I was expecting, but I think we got some good conversation out of it. Since when don't you and I talk for longer than anticipated? It's, I, I keep like blocking out these like 20 minute parts for episodes and we double that i need to i need to learn to like schedule us better but yeah that sounds sorry that sounds like an episode that's good it's 
it's good to listen to um where can the people find you on the internets you can find me on twitter at brian is an app and always at multiversitycomics.com and you can find me on twitter at alice w castle that will wrap us up for another episode and may the force be with you